You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Loving Father, we are thankful for the privilege of life today. We are grateful for your tender love and mercy towards us. As we continue in our journey together, we pray that your spirit would be with us, that you would uh, give us understanding of things new and old. Most of all, we pray that this would not merely be information, but it would serve um, as the tools, as tools in the hands of the Holy Spirit to bring about transformation in our relationships and in our marriages and in our lives. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So, um, we want to kind of review, because it's been a lot and we try to connect things, right? So, um, see if anybody remembers, breakdowns have a way of what? Okay, so, <laughs> breakdowns have a way of catching us in crises and, um, and we're unaware, right, that they're coming. How many times has it been that uh, the crisis that comes, um, we get a, a note card in the mail and says, hi, I just wanna let you know I'm gonna come and disrupt your family, I'm gonna disrupt your job, I'm gonna disrupt your health and your wealth and all these other things, right? Uh, I haven't met anybody as of yet who gets that, so. Um, but not being aware when crises happen, they put us in a very vulnerable position in our relationships and can very, can very much sabotage them. And when we talk about relationships, we don't just talk about marriage, we talk about all of our relationships. We talk about parent-child, we talk about our relationships with our coworkers, the people that we go to church with, right? Our neighbors, so forth and so on. We also went over um, a discussion regarding emotions and we were, um, we were talking or we shared a, a little bit about the importance of emotional intelligence. It's been thrown around a lot out here, you know, but it really is a significant part of having healthy communication and being able to understand um, not just your husband or your wife, but your children and everybody in your life. And if you have not been raised in a context where sharing your emotions or being able to put words to your emotions, it can be rather difficult to one day find yourself in a marriage or a relationship and being able to communicate with one another. So being able to identify that that is a necessity and that you can actually build that, um, fine. We weren't, uh, we, and no one is born with it, um, but if you weren't raised in a context or if you haven't been able to develop it over time, it is something that you can even now develop and I'm so thankful for that, praise be to God, right? And God allows us to have the ability to be able to continue to grow. And we also talked about the power of self-talk, self-talk. Self-talk is when um, someone is maybe speaking to us or we're in a situation and circumstance, and in our minds, we're having a conversation that's completely different with ourselves about what people think about us, about what something means or what they're saying. And um, many people could identify with that, you know. I shared a little bit of st a story with you guys about a client of mine who thought completely that a person in her life hated her, but it wasn't that the person hated her, she thought the person hated her, so therefore she live that out in her day-to-day -day life. So powerful, right? 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Self-talk. Okay. And when emotions and self-talk collide, they can impact our ability to forgive. Oh my goodness. Forgiveness was a really powerful subject that we talked about yesterday because um, there's a lot of myths out there about forgiveness. I won't go into what all of those are. You can always go back and take a listen to that. But forgiveness is a necessity for each and every human being down here to be able to live a life of freedom in Christ. Amen. Yes. And forgiveness, the thing that we, we really wanted to emphasize is it's possible for people to remain in a marriage mm. having not forgiven their spouse. So if you can imagine people have been married for 40 or 50 years and they have not forgiven each other for something that happened in year one, mm. right? That's, that's real talk. I, we shared a story just to... We share a story in our experience with the first year we got married. Yeah. Uh, my wife finds out she's pregnant. You know, it had been our, our plan, our dream that we would wait. But she finds out that she's... We will wait two years. Right. But it happened to be a month after our wedding that I found out. <laughs> so we were, we were sitting in the van and my wife has a test and she's like, hey, honey, I got news for you. She's handing me a brown bag and... You know, I'm thinking to myself, no, we're not going to be going down the route of doing drugs together. This is not, this, this is not how this is going to go. And she says, look in the bag. Tell me what's, what, what, what's there. And I pull it out. I look. I don't know how to read these things. Never seen one before. And I'm like, okay, what? She's like, well, it means we're pregnant. And so for about 45 Span seconds, up. a minute, two, three, I don't know what it was. Forever. I was just quiet. And I stared out the front of the window. Yeah. Now this devastated my wife and it took us about two and a half to three years in our marriage before number one, we actually understood what had transpired <laughs> in that uh, minivan that day. Yeah. And it also took time for my wife to be able to forgive me. Now we've mentioned, mm -hmm. I think we've mentioned, or maybe we didn't, we talked about expectations. My wife had an expectation that when she's married, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she's in a Christian marriage, she shares with her husband that her husband is going to respond a certain way. What she doesn't know is her husband is in the twilight zone because <laughs> he's afraid that I, I don't know if I'm going to be a good father. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't. All of these things are going on before either one of us even understood mm -hmm. what was going on up here enough to be able to share it with one another. There was three years, and I, t I told my wife because I, I, I realized a noticeable mm. difference in the way that she responded to me. Yeah. Before that and after that. Yeah. I knew what it was. And so the next time I had balloons and I had one of those little <laughs> birthday hats on, and <laughs> I was going, I mean, I just went all out. But we had to understand expectations, and there needed to be for understanding and forgiveness. And what was so amazing about that experience was I didn't really fully understand either. So you know how we talked about there's roots to things, things that you don't know that are connected. So it wasn't simply that I was expecting my husband to do jumping jacks and you know cartwheels because we were excited. But remember, we talked about self-talk. So I was carrying baggage into our relationship about guilt and shame from an abortion that I had when I was a teenager. 
And so now that I found myself living in a different type of lifestyle, right? I had surrendered my heart to God and living things and living life in a different way. I had come into the situation with, remember I told you about the Oprah moments? I can't stand them now. Like she's a liar and the author of them, okay? You know, in Oprah moments, it's like everything is just like, you get a car, you get a car. No, nobody got a car, right? And um, it was just so overblown and it was a situation where it was my thoughts and my unresolved issues that could not even fathom or understand what was happening in that moment. And both of us understood later on, could we say years later, after communicating? Well, actually, let me say, I understood immediately afterwards because by the time I, mm -hmm. you know, gathered my druthers <laughs> about myself and you know, I'm like, hey, listen, I, I get excited later on that evening and I'm mm -hmm. speaking to her and whatnot. By the time that goes down, she has now kind of walled me off. And yeah. if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> it's not nice when you're living on the other side <laughs> of your spouse's wall, their emotional and intellectual wall. Yeah. I mean, it's lonely over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you understand and you know and you can sense because it's real, it's palpable. Yeah. And when you ask them about it, they say, what are you talking about? No, there's nothing. And you're like, no, there is something. And what was also amazing to me, I so appreciated um, later on hearing what was actually going on in his brain. See, I saw and perceived an action that wasn't actually rejection, but I perceived it as rejection for one, because I brought rejection with me into the relationship. Can you identify? Yeah. You bring certain things with you. And then his actions fed a belief that I already had within my heart about myself, right? Not understanding what were you actually thinking when you opened up that brown paper bag that day? Well, like I shared, I was afraid uh, that I would not be able to be, you know, the father that, uh, that my children would need, mm -hmm. the father that you would want me to be. Mm -hmm. and, um, and as a result of that, I'm just, you know, what's, what, I'm thinking to myself, how, what are all the ways that this can go wrong? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What are all the ways this can go wrong? And just to kind of invite you to join us, because we like to interact with people. For some of the men, what are some of the other things that will go through your mind? What, what has gone through your mind? Or what do you think can go through a man's mind when they're introduced to the fact that they may be a father? Yes. Can I support? Can I support, can I support this family this, now that has... The addition of a child, yes. Right. Anyone else? If, if I haven't finished my studies, mm -hmm. I, I feel like now I'm not going to be able to finish because of this new addition. Mm -hmm. Anyone else before we move on? I, I love to hear from the guys. Going once? Okay. The guys don't like to talk. All right. That's okay. That's right. All right. So, um, so again, these are some of the things that we were talking and trying to emphasize throughout this process of discussing what are some of the things that can sabotage our relationships and our ability to connect with one so another. So if we don't forgive, mm -hmm. listen to me, please get this. Mm -hmm. If we don't forgive, we can survive, mm. but we won't thrive. You know, there's two different things. Right? Yeah. So, so we'll re we can remain married and we can go through all the motions and all of these things, mm -hmm. but life will be miserable. Life will be miserable. My wife was having a conversation with uh, some young folks at, uh, you know, we, we had the privilege of, of officiating a wedding just this past Sunday. And my wife was having a conversation and with, with inter, it was an intergenerational conversation. Yeah. And the young single 
people were speaking to some of the older married people. Yeah. And what did the young single people tell the older married people? Well, it was fascinating because they were actually having a really great conversation together. And as I was sitting in the midst, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, why can't we do this more, right? We often think about what the other generation is thinking or we attribute their thoughts, but how many of us actually sit down and talk to one another about what's going on? So you have the millennial generation, that's what they were, and what they would call the baby boomer generation. And my generation, which was a couple of us, I'm considered to be generation X, right? I don't even know what that is till this day. What is that? I don't like that. Okay. So Generation X, right? And so I'm sitting and they're having the conversation about marriage because we're at a wedding, right? And so one of the, uh, the older uh, generation, they raised their hand. They said, I have a question for you young people. And they said, sure. They said, why aren't you getting married? And you know, they, they would happen to be young women, right? And the young ladies were sitting there. They were like, well, one of them was like, well, I'm in school right now and I'm going to get my PhD. And another one was talking. She was like, well, I haven't really found anybody. And can I be honest? That's what they said. They said, can I be honest? He said, sure. You all really don't look happy. Mm. Now, as a middle, mm. as a person who literally, because Generation X, we feel like we're in the middle a lot of these two generations, right? I, I was just sipping my water and I was just like, oh Lord, Jesus, help us, you know, because it's really getting ready to go down here. But they actually didn't argue. They actually had an open conversation, right? So what was discovered is that most of the millennials, I don't know if there's any millennials in here or not who could, maybe you identify or not, but they literally said, you know, we watched our parents and our parents, you know, they, they, they were two different people. They were one way at church, but then at home they hated each other. And I said, oh, you know, and then they said, you know, and we, we just aren't willing to sacrifice that. We just feel like, what's the point, you know? And the older generation listened and they said, wow, you know what? The honest truth is, you know, in our generation, we were taught that no matter whether you're happy or not, you stick it out right? Whether you like going to work or not, you go because that's, that's a dependent. I mean, he just broke it down. And guess what happened? What was discovered is that actually both of them were right, right? It was an important conversation to have because this generation was looking at the other and making judgment calls and judging them, right? And this generation was judging them. What they were able to do is come together and have an honest conversation and actually cause one another to think. And it was so, it was appreciated. And, um, and I think that it opened up a cavern to why these types of conversations are ha or we're so, having. So in other words, if you're surviving mm -hmm. in your relationships, mm -hmm. don't think that people don't notice it. Yeah. They yeah. see it. Yeah. They, they realize when we, when we got married, we, we lived in Tennessee and there was this couple, oh my goodness, and they used to walk around the place where we worked holding oh, yeah. hands all the time. <laughs> and he would just give her a kiss in the lunch line. And this is my sweetheart. And I'm like, man, I hope and pray <laughs> by the grace of God that when I get to where they are, yeah. that I can still, you know, I can still have that, you know, that spark, that, mm -hmm. that flame. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like, oh, come on, here we go again. You know, <laughs> old ball and chain or whatever. But it was actually... Uh, you could you could tell that they were deeply in love with one another, mm -hmm. even after all of these years. So um, we want to thrive, not just survive. Yeah. How many of you want to thrive in your relationships, not just your marriage, but your relationships? Let me see your hands. Amen. 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 So one of the keys, as we talked about to that on uh, on yesterday, one of the keys is forgiveness is forgiveness. Now, um, 
Today we're gonna to talk to you about necessary combustion. Now, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to a vehicle, combustion generally takes place within, um, within the, 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 the engine and in the, in the cylinders, uh, combustion takes place. This is a picture of the combustion that you don't want to take place. <laughs> this is unnecessary combustion. This is crisis yeah. breakdown combustion. Yeah. This is combustion that takes place, but you're not going anywhere. It is only destructive. Mm. Mm. But this is necessary combustion. This combustion takes place and it actually, it actually, um, um, it provides propulsion. It helps us to actually move forward. So necessary combustion is is what we want to talk about and what we want to experience. Now, we're gonna share something that may, I know some of you all are gonna disagree with this, but that's all right. <laughs> Praise God, anyhow, right? So what I'm gonna to say to you and what we're gonna share with you and talk to you a little bit about today is how, how even conflict can be beneficial. Now there's this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Anybody know what it says there? It says, whether therefore you eat or whether you, what do the next words say? Or what? Whatever, whatever you do, do all what? So there is a way, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 31, for us to pass through a conflict and ultimately bring glory to God. We want to suggest to you that there, there is unnecessary conflict and then there is also conflict that is quite beneficial. It can be quite beneficial. And we want to talk to you not just in the realm of marriage, but in the realm of family mm -hmm. and also a little bit about the church. Now, Part of what makes this conversation so difficult is mm. the definition, the definitions we have of conflict, fight, <laughs> battle, war. And you're like, eh, no, nah, that's not a good thing. I don't want to have a fight. I don't want to be engaged in a battle or a war with people that I'm in relationship with, a competitive or opposing action of incompatibles, antagonistic state or action as of divergent ideas, interests, or persons. Mental mm -hmm. struggle resulting from, there's that word again, incompatible or opposing needs, drives, wishes, or external or internal demands. The opposition of persons or forces that gives rise to the dramatic action in a drama or fiction. Conflict, and even if I didn't show you that slide and you hadn't heard any of that, you would have heard what many call, what, well, it's, it's one of those, those five books that, that we call the Conflict Series. <laughs> and the last one is called The Great Controversy, or in Spanish, El Gran Conflicto, right? <laughs> and so it's like, how can, how can this be positive in any way, shape, or form? Mm -hmm. So we, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, and hopefully open up your eyes and 
uh, have you to or help you to think about things in a little bit of a different context. Mm -hmm. So there are at least two different types of conflict. Mm -hmm. One conflict has to deal with a task and the other conflict is personal. What we want to suggest to you is that task conflict is positive. It can be beneficial and even helpful mm -hmm. in our relationships, but it is the personal conflict that is destructive, all right? So what do we, what do we and, and, and first, let me share this. We have an extremely difficult time separating those two. Can I talk to you? Well, that's what I was going to do anyway, but I, <laughs> I, I just want to ask you, you know. So, so listen, have you ever been in a meeting or group where a task that has not been done in a, in a particularly well manner is being discussed and as the task is being discussed, somebody says, wait a minute, we shouldn't be having this discussion because either the person we're talking about who was supposed to perform the task is not here and it's not Christian to have this discussion or we shouldn't be talking about brother or sister or mister or mrs x anybody ever been in a situation like that okay i got one person two three <laughs> it's okay, okay saints four, we can be five, honest okay okay <laughs> so here's what here's what happens we confuse hmm. conversation about the accomplishment of a task with a personal attack what, what? No, no, no. Uh, let, let, no. Let's, let's yeah. spend some time let's do, on that. Okay, because you know we also on. have a degree in acting. Okay. No, we don't. But go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So um, I just want to thank everybody for being at the meet. Thank you, April, for being at the meeting today. I just wanted to um, have a conversation with you and the pastor because you know um, uh, the the posters that were posted up on the board they were crooked. You know, and I I would prefer for them to be on the other side because I think people can see them better. You know, I do think that they're they're more visible if they're on the other side, you know, of the church, right? And so um, I had requested for that to be done, but it, it wasn't done. And so I'm just, you know, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm just kind of coming to find out what can be done about that. Well, you might as well have just came and put it all out on the table and said it was me. I mean, I was the one who hung them up and, you know, I was in a rush. I didn't get the... I didn't get the posters until mm -hmm. the last minute. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe if I had them in a timely manner, then I would have been able to put them up mm -hmm. the way that you asked. Mm -hmm. But since I got them at the last minute, mm -hmm. I was in a rush mm -hmm. and I just had to kind of, you know, do whatever yeah. I could. Well, you know, I can't help the fact that you're lazy. I just, you know, and I just really feel like God is, God I mean, is, you're just a lazy, incompetent, you know, and I just feel like the Lord, the spirit of prophecy says that you need to make sure that you show up on time to put those posters up. I can find the page for that. It's a page. I know what page. I think it's um, uh, mind, yeah, character, be, and personality. Mind, character, and personality. I'll be waiting for that one. But in the meantime, mm -hmm. did we have to have this conversation here couldn't oh about you your just, about your laziness and how I, I just, just really feel like you're just incompetent you have just called me 
and told me that I didn't do things the way you wanted to? Well, so, okay. <laughs> so what just happened there? And see. What just happened there? She intimidated me in front of other people, okay? Someone else, what, what else happened? Well, let me ask you this. What was the task? What was the task? The task was hanging the posters. When did it become personal? Okay, over here, she called me what? She called me lazy, all right? Yeah, bomb. Now, here's the question. <laughs> here's the question. What does whether or not I'm lazy necessarily have to do with the task? You see? It's, now this is now now, this, it's hard. I know some of y'all out there yes. are justifying it. You're like, well, I can think of many ways how. See, because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. I told you we have a very difficult time separating our personal opinions about individuals mm -hmm. from the task, right? And, and, and here's the thing, as Christians, then we throw the robe of Christ over it. Mm -hmm. And so here's what happens. Our churches and anything that we do that is spiritual, it becomes a, a, a boiling pot for mediocrity. Because everybody knows that Mrs. X does a horrible job at doing what she does, but everybody wants to be nice to her. So nobody ever, no one here's ever a, addresses it. Wait a minute, here's a word, and this is a word that really gets a bad rap, but I think it's because of wh where we come from with it, right? The word confronting is a hard word for us because we believe that confronting means offending. But if you never confront something, you can never what? You can never move forward. You can never accomplish. You can never heal, right? So we have to adjust the way that we think of confronting. Because let's be honest, when you think about conf conf confrontation is the word, right? Confronting, what comes to your mind? Fear? Fight? Argument? Reject. Oh, whoever said that? God bless you. What else? What else did I hear? Rejection. Who? Disagreement. Mm-hmm. So, so listen. How can in in a marriage, in a church, in any relationship, how can we move to a healthy place if we can never honestly speak to one another mm -hmm. about the things that are going on in the relationship? So, so, so listen. Ooh. So we started with church, but there, there are tasks in the family. Yes. Let me tell you, what, what, what's a task that a family, that a husband and wife would have to accomplish? Dishes, oh. Laundry, dishes, okay, okay, Can't what else? Keep it coming. Pay the bills. Pay the bills, what else? Parenting. Cooking, and somebody hit it? Parenting. Mm-hmm. Now it's about to get real. Ooh, I need it's some about water. To get real for a second here. Leading ooh, worship. Ooh. Now you just had to go there. So and, and and listen, listen. This I love it because these are all things that we would all agree should happen, right? So the disagreement is not whether or not we need to eat. Everyone agrees we need to eat. Yes. 
The disagreement is not whether we should have worship or not. We all agree, yet we should. This is a good thing for a family to do. Mm -hmm. The disagreement is not whether or not to discipline the children. We all agree, they need discipline. But how, who, when, when? where, right? <laughs> these are tasks, these are tasks that a married couple or anyone in, in, in a variety of relationships, and we, we, we jump from church, now we're back to marriage, these are tasks that need to be completed. But here's the thing, in the disagreement about how these tasks should be completed, we become personal. So, how does that happen, Tamara? How do we become personal in a task, let's say, about family worship? We, we should have family worship. Yes. And let's say we're not having family worship, mm -hmm. which is something that, you know, the, the family, it's a necessity for yeah. a family that, that wants to honor and give glory to God. Yeah. You know, how can, how can that task become personal? Well, it can become personal when the person that is designated to lead family worship, um, maybe they're not doing it the way that we did it in our home when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you did things your way in your home. I did things my way in my home. And now we have our own family and our own children. And I believe that it should be done in this particular room at this particular time and in this particular way. And when I don't like the way you do it and because I don't like the way you do it. But that's just your preference. Well, no, because the spirit, spirit of prophecy say. Wait, on wait, 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 wait. Anybody hear what just happened? What were we in a discussion about? The task of family worship. Do we agree on how it's supposed to be done? No. Now, when I said, but that's just your preference, that's just the way you did it in your home, we had a different way of doing it. How does or where does she take it next? What, say that again. I'm mm. right, but how does she, how does she demonstrate? Go ahead. I have an authority on my side. Mm -hmm. That's like the young folks call it the mic drop. <laughs> it's like saying, boom, but I prayed about it. <laughs> I prayed about it. And once you say you prayed about it, oh, I mean, man. how can I counter that? Well, well the <laughs> Lord spoke to me, and it, there, there's no way to counter, listen to me, friends, there is no way to counter the moral or spiritual argument. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm mm -hmm. going to go out on a limb and tell you as some good old-fashioned Seventh-day Adventist Christian that we love to drop the mic. Man. We love to drop the mic on people in our neighborhood. Man. We love to drop the mic on folks in the church. We love to drop the mic on people in our families mm. by seeking the highest moral authority in order to get, listen, in order to get someone to behave in a way that I'm most comfortable with. Well, well another word for that, I think is just probably the easiest to say is control. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Just yeah. go there. Only because I know I struggle with that. 
You do? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. I don't need you to you agree. Do. You do. But I do. And the church said amen. Whatever. Amen. <laughs> no, and listen. Come on. Just let's be real. Anybody like to win in here? Slide your hand up. You like to win? Anybody like to be right? <laughs> Come on now. Mm-hmm. If we're honest, we want to be right, mm -hmm. and we want to win, and we will even use God to help us. Now, let me tell you, this thing is real because we do it to our children. Mm. See, some of us, we're not bold enough to do it with our spouse. Well. So we practice on our kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, well, you know how kids are at that stage where they're asking you why about everything? It's like, because God said so. Because mm. we have counsel that says that we should. Let me tell you. I, you know, hey, I might offend somebody. It's not my intention. So I'm going to ask for your understanding and forgiveness since that's what we talked about yesterday. <laughs> that is lazy parenting. That's lazy parenting. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes, uh, not to do a mic drop of my own, but <laughs> one of my favorite quotes comes from Education, page 17. Every one of us is given a power akin to that of, of the, the creator, creator, the power to we think and to, to do. do. Those in whom this power is developed become leaders. Anybody want your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews to be leaders? The ones in whom this power is not developed become, or no, no, this is another place in education. It may not be that same quote, but it talks about mere reflectors of, of other men's opinions. Now, just think, do you want your children, your grandchildren, the little boys and girls in your Sabbath school classes, do you want them to be leaders exercising their God-like abilities? Or do you want them to be mere reflectors of other men's opinions? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I said I was going to do my own mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked for your forgiveness first. All right. And, you know, the thing that's interesting about this is because none of us, or at least I don't think we would, right? None of us would sit here and say that um, the word of God and the spirit of prophecy are not the number, they're not valuable, right? In fact, that's what we should live our lives by, those principles, correct? But having those in our possession and being able to, um, to have those to help rear our children and be in relationship with other people, oftentimes our brokenness leads, leads us to abuse them. Mm. Listen to me. The prop, so the problem is not the Bible. It's not. It's not God. No. It's not the writings of Ellen White. No. The problem is how we... We are the problem. Ooh. And so when we want to have control, and this is a control freak talking to you, right? I confess mm. that today. Preach it. I'm Preach a it. I didn't need you. Oh, amen. Okay? This is um, and this is the thing. It is it's hard, especially when you come from a place in life where there was no control. Maybe when someone abused you or took advantage of you. And I'm going to tell you something. People who have been abused and broken are attracted to, oh, I need you to pray. Because I'm about, people, I'm about to say it. Lives have been out of I'm about to say it. Whatever way. I'm going to say it. Go ahead, say it. People who come from an area in life where there was chaos and no control are attracted to people and religious activities that seem to control. I'm one of those people. People who have been taken advantage of, 
who come from a family or a life of, whether it's abuse or addiction, or maybe it was your own choices, whatever the case may be, when you come from that area of life and you see God and it is attractive, praise be to God. But sometimes, some of us, because we're not healed, we take the gospel and our brokenness and we begin to use it to control other people. And we begin to abuse. Let me tell you something. I'm going to step out on a limb and say that there's probably some of our children, our, our husbands, or our wives, our family, or our friends that are not here today. We wish we're here because of that. Because we misused and abused God's word, misused and abused the spirit of prophecy. Mm. So, so this, this control thing is a real thing, but it's a problem. It's a problem in a relationship. Because how many of us are eager to jump into a relationship where the other person wants to control us. <laughs> and I know some of you great biblical Christians are thinking, but isn't that how our relationship with God works? <laughs> oh, no. wow. wow. It is not. <laughs> it is not. I wish I had these slides here, but if you study up on the wheel, let me do another mic drop real quick, <laughs> my brother, just, just for you, just for you. <laughs> if you study up on the wheel, and I used to believe that this is how God works, that I surrender my heart to God and God takes my heart, especially I remember when I was a teenager, I used to say, Lord, please just, you know, just make me do right. It's so hard to just make me do it, right? And the Lord, through his grace and mercy, helped me to understand and he pointed me to that, that passage in uh, Education, page 17, that I quoted. And he says, Stephen, no, I created you and I've given you the power to think and to do. I sent my son to restore in you what was broken. I don't need robots. Mm. I need people. Mm -hmm. I need people who will think and people who will do. Mm -hmm. Right? If you read some of the things that are, that are written in the, the spirit of prophecy, they are, uh, they, they, they're just, they're challenging. One of them it is the act of the soul itself that expels sin. Boom, boom, desire of ages. Crazy, right? You know, are you serious? Then um, there's another quote, and it, I'll, I'll have this uh, for tomorrow's presentation. I'll have the quote and everything for you because it's in a presentation that I do. But in another quotation, it says that God does not take our wills mm so that he can just keep them. He takes our wills, he purifies it, he refines it, he elevates it, he links it together with his own divine will, hmm. and then guess what he does? He gives, he gives it, back it back to us so that we may exercise it, yeah. use it. Hmm. Wow, so when this hit me, it not only was revolutionary in terms of, man, God doesn't want to, he doesn't want to just control me and he's not a puppet master, but it revolutionized how I was raising my children, hmm. right? My parents are here. I love them. God bless them. Ooh, old school. <laughs> but I said, I'm going to take the good. And there's a lot of good. Remember we talked about that the other day? There's a lot of good. Yeah. I want to take the good and I wanna build on it and do better, mm -hmm. right? I wanna raise my children 
to be able to exercise the minds, the will, the heart that God has given them. Hmm. I want to raise them to live outside of my presence, yeah. but always as in the presence of God. Yeah. I want to prepare them for the time when mommy and daddy are not here to say you shouldn't have done that. I want to prepare them for the time when they will go to their knees and the great God of the universe can speak to them. You see what I'm saying? And so this radically changed the way that I that I that I talk to my children. But it also mm. it also radically changed the way that I'm, I'm I just throw myself under the bus. You know, when that's I, good. When I first got married, I came from a you know, I came from a very conservative, you know, uh, we, 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 we grew up, you know, uh, this is my parents over here. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Very, very conservative, um, very conservative upbringing. I went to an extremely conservative college. So we get married, and my wife and I are, uh, we're, we're, we're together, we're ministering, and uh, I'm a boys' dean and a teacher and my wife sings. And so my wife, you know, she is getting ready to do special music and I'm gonna be preaching. And um, I say, hey, look, sweetheart, how you doing? I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, you know, I'm so thankful that God has given you to me and Aww. I'm just so so happy that we could be together. Mm. And, and so you know that song that I asked you, that I asked you to sing yeah. for, for me when I preach, right? Yeah, I'm excited. I've been practicing all week. Yeah, you know, I heard you. Yeah. And there's a little bit too much vibrato in your voice when you're singing. Oh, okay. You know what vibrato is? Yeah. Okay, so, so I'm gonna give you an example. And I actually <laughs> went on to give her an example yeah. of how she was singing wrong and how she needed to sing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and listen, I know this because I've attended some music seminars. And I know how you should sing and how you shouldn't sing. Yeah. And so uh, some of you are like, man, you said that? Yeah, stupid, right? <laughs> you can go ahead and say it. You're like, I can't believe it. And listen, and, and so too, many of us have also said and done some things that when we look back, not necessarily in marriage relationships, but in relationships in general, that we look back and we cringe. Yeah. Sometimes we forget the silly things that we've said, but the people that we have spoken them to don't. And they remind us. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I've been confronted with that, and I, you know what my response has been? I didn't say that. I did not say that. There is no way I could have said that. And it's like, but yes, you did, right? Yeah, you, you certainly did. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, sometimes my wife and my kids will be like, Dad, you said it. <laughs> and it's happened to my wife, too. Yes. You know, myself and my children. Yes. Tamara, yeah, you said it. Yes. No, no. I, there's no way that I could have, because it seems and it sounds so foreign to where I am today mm -hmm. that I could have ever been that person. Mm -hmm. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't want to be that person. <laughs> you know what that person is like. And you're like, no, 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 that's not who I am anymore, right? Yeah. But I literally did that and I moralized and spiritualized in order to try to control my spouse. Oh, oh Lord. Man, I wish we had more time, but let me tell you something. 
Um, we, the, re, the reason, I hope you all know that the reason why we're talking about these things is because it's rampant and it's happening. Um, and we believe with all of our, for one, we are those people, <laughs> okay? First and foremost, you know? And secondly, because the, it is a constant thing that we run into where we talk to people who are just weeping because, oh, my husband or my, oh, my wife, they just won't, oh, my kids. And very few times do people see themselves, right? Very few times do people come to us and say, you know what, I need help, you know, I'm the one, but that's all of us because we can easily see other people's flaws, yes, then yes. we can see our own, and that's okay in this sense, that it's, it's, it's okay to ask for help, but I'm gonna tell you something. It is a, it's a very interesting thing to talk to a couple where the husband or the wife has made a decision to come to the Lord, right? And the other spouse isn't there yet. And they then assume the responsibility to save their spouse. Now, the Bible does say that a sanctified wife can sanctify her husband. A sanctified husband can. But what do we know about sanctification? How long does it take? Mm, 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 mm. Those are the things that we don't really like, right? And yet, we desperately want the other person to change. And so we set out on a mission to change the other person. But... Do we have the ability to change people? What changes a person? Or who changes a person? The Spirit of God. And some of us believe we're the Spirit of God. And we try to take the Spirit of God's place. And what we end up doing is we end up driving them away. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And the convenient thing for us to do is to say, they just, their minds are seared like a hot iron. I have all these sayings that people say, right? They just, they, we're in the last days and they just want to be lost. That is to save us the responsibility from doing some self-reflection. Yeah, soul searching. Yeah. And saying, Lord, the responsibility, you know, it, it, it doesn't take responsibility away from individuals. Right. But we say, Lord, where, if in any place, did I have a part? Where did I go wrong? Mm -hmm. And we ask God to show us that mm -hmm. so that by the grace of God, we can correct it. One of the, one of the humbling, most humbling and beautiful things, and I'm not saying it's easy because it's not, um, was when I, had the, when I had the privilege and opportunity, which has actually been on several occasions, to, um, to have to apologize to my children mm. for the way that I've spoken to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one time, you know, my son and the whole family, I was actually doing some work and the whole family was making a meal. It was a special meal and, you know, they were cutting up vegetables and it was some um, Asian noodle dish and it was just, it, it, was, it was wonderful. And my family was eating and my oldest boy you know, he, uh, yeah, God bless him, he, he, he eats noodles like an Asian man. And so, if you know what I'm talking about, it's loud. So he's like, and he's just, and I'm like, you know, you, know, we, you couldn't even scrape your teeth on the fork uh, in my house growing up. So this brother's just slurping away, and then my wife says, hey, did you guys remember that I didn't eat anything? And they're like, oh, no, mom, we didn't know you ate. And so, because he had been annoying me, 
with how loud he was slurping. I'm like, I know who ate the most noodles. <laughs> I didn't even eat any. And I'm like, I know who's, who's eating the most. And I said, man, Israel, I, and I just went into him. And I said, man, you guys, you, you need to be more thoughtful. You know, you just come in and you just eat up all the food and you don't <laughs> da 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 this, this, that, and the other. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, my son started, he started crying. And I'm like, man, what, man what's wrong with you? Like, be a man. <laughs> You know, come on, man. Are you serious? And then he came back down. He went, he went upstairs. Yeah. And he prayed. And he came back down. Mm -hmm. And he said, Dad, he said, you were wrong. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, I've been waiting for this day, brother. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. I was wrong. What, what, what? And he said, Dad, he said, all of us participated in preparing this meal mm -hmm. because we wanted to share this meal together. That is all of us except for you, Dad. Not only did you not share in the preparation of the meal, mm -hmm. but you didn't eat the meal. He said this meal was prepared with love for all of us to share it together. Mm -hmm. And he said for you to tell me that I was selfish it undermined this whole process, which you didn't even see. And I'm sitting there, you know, like ready, you know, to, you know, spiritually hit him with a couple of jabs. Yeah. And I have to undo my gloves yeah. in humility and mm -hmm. take them off and say, I apologize, not just to you, but I apologize to the entire family. That's one of, that's a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you, I didn't wanna do it. <laughs> but when, you, when you're caught, it's kinda hard. Now, now listen, I'm gonna tell you the truth is, I've been on the other side where I know I've been caught and I have still refused. Mm -hmm. And guess what? My children saw that, saw that too, mm -hmm. right? And not only, do our children see it? Our family members see it. Church members see it. Mm -hmm. Neighbors see it. Yeah. When we lack the grace and humility of Christ to simply say, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I apologize. And a lot of times that, that can be, um, it can be cultural. And what I mean by culture, and you probably heard me say this often, um, culture is not about the color of your skin. It's about the homes that we've been raised in. Every home has its own culture, every home. And when you've been raised in a culture in your home that adults are never wrong, adults don't apologize, adults don't, adults don't. If you're a child, this is where you stay in your place. And don't get me wrong, I believe in respect, but there is a generation of young people who has saw older people, thus us included, who are Christian, who display contradicting, right? thoughts. And remember, who is their first God? We are. We display the very first picture that they have of God. And if I am not humble, and if I am not able to recognize when I am wrong, then what do you think that says about God? It speaks volumes to them. And so when they're little, they're watching you, and thus they begin to develop a mindset about who they believe God is, not even based on what you tell them, but what they've seen you do. Because you know they actually watch us, right? 
You know that old saying? Your actions speak way louder than your words. Yeah. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so we, we, we only have a, a little bit of time and mm -hmm. we have so much stuff to share. We want to touch on a, a few things. And uh, one of them, my wife alluded to, she talked about confrontation. And this is the importance. This is the beneficial side of, uh, of conflict or disagreement when it comes to task. Mm -hmm. But in order to illustrate that to you, we want to let you know that it is not, it is not invasive, it is not mean-spirited, unchristlike, or ungodly to take assessment. To do what? Assessment. To take assessment. To look at what it is that we're doing and see if, in fact, we've done it the best that we possibly could do it. Mm -hmm. God gives us several illustrations of this in the book of Genesis. Um, the first one we see is Genesis chapter 6. Now check this out. God assesses his own work. God assesses his own work. Mm -hmm. Now if God assesses his own work, who am I to be offended if my work is being assessed? Yeah. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, the Bible says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great. It goes on to say, we read this passage yesterday in verse six, that it grieved the heart of God that he had made man, right? Then if you go to Genesis chapter 11, verses five and six, the Tower of Babel, God says, let us go down and we will see, we will see what humanity is doing. And God comes and he assesses what's taking place there at the Tower of Babel. And then in Genesis chapter 18, you guys remember the story when God is on the plains of Mamre with Abraham after he leaves. I'm not going to keep a secret from Abraham, the thing which I'm going to do, saying I know him and I know that he will raise his household to walk in my commandments and so forth. And God begins to say that, you know, uh, it has come up to me that the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and I will see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. So God is a God of assessment, right? He assesses his own work. In fact, we could go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. After God finishes creation, what does God, what does the Bible say? And the Lord saw all that he had done, right? And he looks over all of creation and he rests, of course, after he has done this. So God is into assessment. So why is it that we become so offended when we are asked about our work or our task? Why do we become so offensive? Um, we all have filters. We all have what, beloved? We have filters. What do we mean when we say filters? Filters are, you know, these things that are over our minds. And what's in the filter? The filter contains things that I believe about myself, about others, about the world I live in. Are you with me? So, when someone asks me about my work, I become defensive because I already feel there's this thing that <coughs> psychologists have termed imposter syndrome. Anybody ever heard of that before? 
imposter syndrome. And I, I feel like I'm not qualified or good enough to do what it is that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm fearful that people are going to find me out. They're gonna discover me. And so I do everything possible to keep from being discovered. So can you see how assessment or a task, uh, task assessment would be offensive to an individual who's thinking like this? Because they are not assessing my work, they are assessing, they're assessing my worth, my value, so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. And so in a church board meeting, oh, help us, oh, Holy God, Ghost. Oh, God, none. Oh, wait, here, drink this, drink that, drink it, drink oh, it. Oh, mercy, okay. mercy. In a church board meeting, a brother or sister can feel as though they are being personally attacked. And everyone who's there, uh, uh, and this doesn't only happen at church board meetings, True. at family reunions, Ooh, yeah. at Thanksgiving time, right? You know, at potlucks, at picnics, it, it, it happens, and it can happen anywhere, and everyone is looking like, what just happened? What just happened? And nobody knows that the individual has exploded, listen to me, friends, not because of anything external, yeah. but because of what he or she fears to be true internally. internally. That's that filter, right? And so when my wife, oh my goodness, can we, can we just get real? You might as well, we done spilled all out. I don't know if you, if you really want me to get this real. Do you really want me to get this real? I trust you. So, uh, you know, <laughs> one, of, one of our children made a comment. Oh Lord made a comment. Did you want me to get that? Yeah, you can go ahead. You might as well. I'm already made ran over comment. the bus twice. Made a comment about <laughs> my wife's cooking. Now, you know, <laughs> let me just say that my wife handled it with so much grace. I started to not handle it with grace <laughs> on her behalf. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, so you've made it to this point in life on subpar, you know, whatever. But, but here's, here's why we would get offended over something like that. Yeah. We would be offended if we fear that it's true. Yeah. Are you with me? Now, can I just say this? Years ago, if a child, that child would have said that to me, it would have turned out really different. But because of healing, mm. I did not have to respond. Mm -hmm. Because of healing, I did not have to take out anything on my child mm -hmm. because of healing and God coming in and showing me that it's okay, right? That I have a choice, you know, um, and not attributing her comment to her motives. And man, that takes a lot of work, you know? That takes a lot of work. I'm gonna tell you, and I'm still doing it. It's, God is still working on me, but that was a victory, you know? And he saw it completely different, but I was like, I'm good, I you know? He was offended. <laughs> And we're going to close with this, but oh, I know, yeah. this, there, there's, a, there's a powerful thing. Because my wife, you know what she did? She went on to ask, why do you say that? And I was like, are you, what is it that, how, have, I was like, oh, uh, I was just blown away. But here's the, here's the thing, you know, what that, what that demonstrates is that she was not afraid to step into mm -hmm. that situation. Mm -hmm. Listen, friends, Jesus's incarnation demonstrates that he was not afraid to step into yeah. humanity's issues, even their challenges against his very character. Yeah. 
He was not afraid to step in and say, you know what, tell me more about this. And in fact, I want to see from your perspective, right? AKA, maybe it's true. So, you know, we, so. we want to close. Yeah, we want to close with a word of prayer. Uh, so much that we didn't get to say that I know. we wanted to say, but we'll try to say it tomorrow. Let's okay. bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we are grateful that mm -hmm. even in things that we are uncomfortable with, there is a way for you to receive the glory. Yes. Lord, we don't claim to understand every twist, turn, nook and cranny of this, but we believe that with task-oriented conflict that we can certainly bring you glory. We don't always see, the, see eye to eye with the people that we love, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to destroy our relationships. Amen. Father, I pray that you would give us your heart. I pray that you would give us your mind because you were not afraid to assess your own work, to see where it had gone. Give us that heart, Lord. Give yes. us that mind and make us better people as a result of going through that process. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.